here on purpose. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. How many of you believe that's really the will of God? If we really believe that, then we should look like, act like, and talk like God because we're to be imitators of God, to imitate Jesus, and to let the fruit of His Spirit flow through us. Love, peace, joy, long-suffering, self-control. We should look like we are happy. So turn to your neighbor and ask them if they look like they're happy. Now, how many of you, how, how many of you remember that old song? We're going to make another confession here before we're cheated. How many of you realize that, remember that old song, If You're Happy and You Know It? Then your face, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will really know it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Now, sometimes you say, I don't feel like being happy. That's a choice you can make. It's a dumb choice, but it is a choice you can make. Let's make the... Best confession. Actually, they're both awesome, but this is an, I'm stuck in the 50s. I'm stuck with nostalgia, so here we go. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's really easy. <laughs> it's really easy. You can be seated. It is really, really easy. <clears throat> Pam, you're going to appreciate this little joke I got here. It reminds me so much of you. It really does. It really does. I love my wife. She loves my humor most of the time, and then every once in a while she chooses the wrong choice. <laughs> the, the, the reason this is so close to home is because sometimes I'll call Pam up and I'll say something, and then I, and I usually say it all, I don't want to give the joke away first, but I, I always say the same thing. And uh, one day I called up, I was in a hurry, real kind of short, and I called up and I didn't say it. And she called me back and she said, you didn't <laughs> say what you normally say. I said, oh, I'm sorry, honey, so I called her back. She got a tight chain on me. Okay. <laughs> a, man, <laughs> a man was still groggy from the anesthesia after surgery, and his wife was sitting at his bedside. As his eyes fluttered open, he murmured, you're beautiful. And then he fell asleep. A few hours later, he woke up, looked at his wife, and said, you're cute. What happened to beautiful, she asked. I guess the drugs are wearing off. <laughs> I, when, I call, when my wife calls me, I call my wife, I always say, hi, beautiful, how are you? And one day, uh, she called me, and, and I said, hey, what's up? And, and uh, we talked for a while, and she hung up, and she called me back, and said, you usually say, hi, beautiful. What's wrong? <laughs> okay, well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start with a very familiar scripture that we use a lot in this church, but I believe it's the key to your life. And if you don't get this scripture down, you're going to be on your own. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we'll get there in just a moment. <clears throat> I was looking for a graduation card with my wife the other day for uh, my grandson is graduating from a uh, school out in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, the message today, and, and it's a message that applies to every one of us, and hopefully every message will. By the way, next message, we have an anointed pastor going to be here in the, in the pulpit. Pastor Dan's going to be here. Is that right? Are you on for next Sunday? Yep. Hey, speak, give Dan a hand. He does an awesome job. I don't know how Dan does it, but he's a golf coach, basketball coach. What else? Youth pastors, he and Kelly, uh, sharing here, full-time uh, vice president of a bank. I got a wife, five kids. I don't know how you do it. I, re I really don't. He, he, he is absolutely 24-7 busy. But he posted on Facebook the other day, is, is it Sam? Sam and Joe were in the, a golf tournament, and Sam got 70, who got 79? 
79, glory to God, I've got that on eight, nine holes once, <laughs> 79 for 18, and then his brother, Joe came in third, Sam got first place, Joe, you got third, right? It, uh, uh, oh, fourth, oh, okay, all right, well, anyway, they are competitive, and they, I guess they just really have it, don't they? Are you their coach? They're, I mean, their golf coach, did you teach them how to play golf? You're the best driver, and then, the oh, the bus driver. <laughs> Dan is the bus driver. <laughs> well, the message today is, give the boys a hand. They did an awesome job on that golf course. Life is full of choices, and it's a continual test of your will. I know this could be a little bit of an overgeneralization, but for the most part, you are who you are, where you are, and what you are because of your choices. And you might say, well, you don't know what happened to me. No, no. It's the choices. It's not what happened to you. It's the choices you make even in the midst of what happened to you. I'm reading a new book by T.D. Jakes. I think it just came out. Crushed. Uh, really powerful book. Uh, he, 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 he said that in our crushing, it reveals our character. And uh, that the choices we make in the midst of a crushing situation and uh, he talked about how when his mom died, and uh, it was his best friend and somebody who was just so close to him and that he really didn't realize, un understand totally what people went through in situations like that, even though he'd ministered to people for years, but now it's his mom and I'm without him, without her. And, uh, and then he said, as I was going through that grieving process, I'm sitting on my front porch with my wife and my daughter comes home, my 13-year-old daughter, and walks up to me and says, Daddy, I have to talk to you. And said, the moment she opened her mouth and said that, I thought, uh-oh, I am not going to like what she's saying. I don't know what it is, but the 13-year-old daughter was standing in front of him, who he loved dearly, and said, well, honey, what is it? I said, I'm pregnant. And uh, he said, it, it, it was just like a total shock went through my body, so I didn't even know what to say. And uh, he said, I would have never thought that. And he said, I can understand what people go through, but I had a choice to make, and I had to make the right choice. Now, I was reading this book. I just got the book yesterday. I already had the message, and it was like, wow, God, I think you're confirming this message, that in the midst of a storm, in the midst of everything going right, in the midst of everything seemingly going wrong, you are going to have choices to make. And it's important that you know how to make a choice. How many of you know a lot of people do not uh, know how to make good choices? Can I see your hand? You just, uh, how, how many of you know you have made some really dumb choices? And it's because you made the wrong choice. Every choice that we make is made out of our will. Our will determines our choice. You cannot make a choice without you willing this is what I'm going to do. A lot, of, a lot of people say, well, you know, somebody else made me do it. Or how many of you remember, how many of you are old enough to remember Flip Wilson? Ah, the devil made me do it. No, the devil can't make you do anything. Tell your neighbor, the devil can't make you do anything. <laughs> so we're shopping in this store, getting some flowers for a gravesite or something like that. And, and, it's, it, it, and this card was there. I, I didn't get it for my grandson. I got him a different one. But it said, it's not our abilities that show what we truly are. It's our choices. Everybody says, it's not my abilities. <laughs> a lot of people have great abilities. We had Bible school out there in Tulsa, and there were people that came to our Bible school. They had so many more abilities than I did scripturally. I, I mean, they, I just, whoa, and we're going to teach you? And uh, they had so many talents and gifts, things and things like this. But the choices they made were so bad that they couldn't be used. They couldn't fulfill what God had them to do because of the bad choices that they were making. So our whole life is full of choices. Let's all say, I am constantly, I am constantly. Making, choices. making choices. Only question is, are you making good ones or bad ones? And in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I believe this is the key to a contented, happy, successful life in serving God. And it tells us, and I know you've heard this a lot, but we are called to present our body, to give everything we have, to present your body as a living sacrifice. Let's all say, it's not about me. In other words, I hear so many people say this. Now, sometimes they say it jokingly, but how many of you realize if you say something jokingly long enough, 
It'll penetrate. It'll get down into your will. And you'll live it. You will live a joke. You can live a joke. And that's why it's so important. Copeland talks about this a lot. It's so important. Everybody can joke and have fun and tell jokes and stuff like that. But if you perpetually joke about something over and over and over again, you will eventually get that thing downloaded in you. It's not about you. And it's never been about you. It's always about him. And that's why that scripture that says we present our body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is just our reasonable service. Everybody say, my reasonable service. And that we not be conformed to this world, but we, be, uh, but we not be conformed to this world, but we, we be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that I will know the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It's talking about one will, the perfect will of God. Those are just adjectives explaining and telling about the perfect will of God. So let's all, let's all say this. The Word of God, the word of God tells, me tells me that with my mind renewed, my mind renewed I, will know I will know the perfect will of God. So if we take the perfect will of God and we put it into our will, then we are capable of making the right choices that God wants us to make. God told us in 1 Chronicles that I set before you life and death, choose life, good and evil, choose good. In other words, we are always making a choice with what we do. And when you understand this, you'll understand, how many of you realize that you perhaps were one of them as you were growing up, and even today we can make bad choices, uh, I was in the process of making a choice. How many of you realize some choices, it doesn't seem like it's, it's bad, but you have a couple of good choices or whatever. But God sees down the road, and he knows, even though it looks like it might be a good choice, it's a bad choice. It's not the right choice. And Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your spirit. And that, that, that peace, most of the leading, when I say I'm, I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, most of the leading of my Holy, the Holy Spirit speaking into me is coming through an inner peace that I can't really explain. I don't even know what I'm talking about. I have a peace. This is the decision I'm to make. I can't articulate it. I know it's what I'm supposed to do. This is not what I'm supposed to do. Well, we all want you to do it. I, I'm not going there because I don't have a peace about it. I can't articulate why I don't, but I know the feeling in my spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But you have to develop that sensitivity because if you don't, you say, ah, but it doesn't matter what choice I make. They're both good choices. One of them can get you in trouble and can be a slippery slope. But more importantly than that, when you start making choices without consulting the Holy Spirit and submitting your will to His will, you'll get into the habit of making your own decisions through choices and that your will will start to stray away from being connected to the will of God and you get yourself in trouble. How many of you realize you've raised some kids? that have made some really good choices. Can I see your hands? How many of you, and I bet the same amount of hands go up. How many of you have raised some kids, they've made some really dumb choices, and we all perhaps have, and we know what we're talking about there. But it doesn't make, making a bad choice doesn't mean it's a bad person. It just means you've got to make a choice that's going to promote what God has, because your will is going to determine your choices. I was reading, reading I was, felt like the Lord had shown me to go back and, and reread some of the books that shaped my life. And most of them are by uh, Oral Roberts and by T.L. Osborne, um, an evangelist, a missionary out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But I was reading uh, the one by Oral Roberts on struggles. And uh, he was talking about and revealing his heart. Written in 1974, he was revealing his heart he was uh, uh, approaching 80, and, and he said, I've lived a long and full life, but I've really struggled a lot in my life. And he started telling stories about how when God told him to build the Oral Roberts University and the people said you can't have it, and he had constant choices to make, even though it didn't look like this is the right choice because people said you can't do that. But he, he did that. I thought about when I was reading that one story, nothing compared to Oral Roberts. But I thought about the, the, when the people said, you can't have the land and, and, and we're never going to sell it to you. And the, the choice he was making was to stand on what God said. And God said, and I remember the first 
second golf tournament we had for the sedan and went out to rent the golf course, the 18-hole, three 18-hole golf cor courses there at the, the mall, putt-putt. And uh, the guy said, well, yeah, I'll rent you the place. And, and he said, how much are you going to raise? And I said, $50,000. He said, you can't do that. That was right out of the chute. You can't do that. He said, I've done that before, and you'll never be able to do that. And I'm, now I've got a choice. I can entertain what he said. How many of you realize it's very easy to entertain what other people think? They're not bad people, but all of a sudden he's got a thought over here and he knows what he's doing because he runs the golf course and he has events out there from time to time. And I have what I think God said and now I've got a choice to make. Which am I going to choose? It would have been very easy to say, oh, okay, we'll just raise something else. But we stood and made the choice that God wanted us to make. And when that thing ended, we had more than $50,000. And the guy was a believer after that. People should be a believer in what you do if you're making the right choice. Can you say amen to that? But in the book that I was reading, uh, Oral Roberts was, was sharing how he had... Uh, uh, just received word that his uh, daughter, uh, one of the closest daughters to him, and his uh, son-in-law had died in a plane crash right in the middle of everything that he was doing. And I don't know if it was before that or shortly after that, but his, one of his sons committed suicide. And uh, here's a man of God preaching all over the world, signs, wonders, and miracles, and one of the foremost evangelistical world preachers in, in our times. Uh, I love the man. And, uh, and when the plane, they got word of the plane crash, uh, Evelyn said, I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can face the students. I don't know if I can. Or they already had the university at that time. I'm sorry. Uh, it had gone past the university. And uh, he said, well, Evelyn, I don't, I don't know if I can either. Let's pray. And they prayed about it. And they both felt like they had a choice to make. Everybody say, we always have a choice. They had a choice to make. Are we going to go on with what we believe? Are we going to let the tragedy take us a different direction? And he said, certainly we were hurting. And he prayed and asked God. How many of you realize it's a good idea to ask God? And uh, if, if you don't have a prayer journal where you're constantly asking God what to do and constantly asking God to tell him what he wants you to know, then you're going to miss God. You're going to miss God without a prayer journal. But not only that, but even throughout the day, you need to be saying, God, what do you want me to do? Not be making decisions based on whatever you think. You need to know what God thinks. And as Oral prayed about it, he got this, he, he said, what I heard, I didn't know if Evelyn was going to receive it. He said, Evelyn, I feel like I know what we need to do. I said, what's that? I said, we need to plant our lives as a seed. We need to go on national television and let the people see us grieving for what happened, but letting them know that we don't understand how it happened and why it happened, but we know that God has not changed. And they went on national television, and he said once we made that decision, that weight just lifted off of us, just lifted off. And all I can say to you is that when I'm in a position like that, and I finally make a decision. We had a decision to make this week, and I just prayed about it last night, and, and, and I felt like, you know what? This thing that I can do is a good thing. This thing I can do is all right, but I'd rather do this than that. Actually, i just tell you what it was. It was going to Florida for a week without my wife <laughs> and laying on the beach. <laughs> Glory to God. Oh, good to me. <laughs> But the more I prayed about it, I couldn't get a piece about it. She couldn't get away. She's going to join me the second week. And I thought, this is awesome. I'm going to be gone all week by myself, just the sand and me. No honey, you need to turn over. No honey. No, no I don't like being away from my wife. But anyway, uh, as I prayed about it, it was a good thing. But I finally got a piece about it. No, it's not the right time. I heard that. It's not the right time. As soon as I made the decision, that weight that I was feeling, because it was a good thing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Am I, am I hitting home with any of you that you know what I'm talking about? And Because you become, I'm not talking about I'm super spiritual, but the more sensitive I am to the Holy Spirit, the better it is for me, and the more I can make the right decision. But sometimes I can't make a decision because I don't know. Does that make sense? I can make a decision. Yeah, I'll go. Yes, I won't go. I have no problem making decisions, and neither do you. You can make choices all day long. But if you don't know the leading of the Holy Spirit, 
And if you don't have the will of God in you, you can make the wrong decision. That's why I believe Jesus said that when we pray, we should pray Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Not my will, but your will be done. In other words, we're continually praying. Matter of fact, let's, let's practice that right now. Lord, Lord. not my will, not my will. But, your will be done. but your will be done. Now, we all probably know that scripture, but if we're going to, if we're going to live it, then what do we have to do? We have to find out what God's will is. Well, do I have to ask him everything? Do I have to ask him if I'm going to buy a car, should I buy this car? You better. He'll tell you. He can tell you if it's a limit. How many of you ever bought a car you shouldn't, buy, shouldn't have bought? We've all done that. I, I bought a car one time out in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I did not pray about it. It was, the, it was a piece of junk, but it looked beautiful. The devil comes not as an ugly horn person. He, he, he comes as, as kind of an angel of light. He's not. But uh, we had a friend, Christian friend, uh, had a Pontiac diesel station wagon, and it looked gorgeous. I lost two transformations, a bunch of money. It was the biggest piece of junk we ever owned, and I never prayed about the car. I've never bought a car or had a car given to me that I haven't prayed about. Now, you might say, wait a minute, you're going to pray about a car being given to you? Yes, you've got to have peace. Peace will come when you know exactly what God says. Let's all say, I can do that. And if you really get this into your spirit, it will begin to change your life. Because the devil is out there trying to get you and trying to get your kids. And he's trying to get their choices. And I'm telling you right now, this world is going upside down, but, but God told us it's going to happen. So, so we have to be more sensitive and more aware. Michael, you've not been in combat. Well, Jerry, you have been. Well, I guess anybody that's been in the military understand. In peacetime, you have a little bit more uh, relaxing mode, but when you're involved in a war, which I've never been involved with, uh, you're on high alert. You, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, you're, you, you're more sensitive to the orders, more sensitive to the enemy being out there, more sensitive to the things that are going around. Well, we have a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may destroy. And he's coming in so subtle with marijuana and with legalizing this and saying it's medicinal. Maybe it is medicinal. Maybe it works for some people, but not for a vast majority of people because it controls the will. It takes the will of an individual and it plays with their mind. And so what happens then is when you start to make choices and say, well, I think that there's some good that can be done here. And so you have a choice to make. Well, what would God want? Would he want somebody with the mind screwed up saying, hey, okay, Pastor, man. Or would he want somebody really seeking him so that he would know what to do? Been there, done that? No, I haven't really, I haven't. <laughs> Cuddy-sock and soda, never marijuana. But anyway, you understand that's something that plays with your mind. The devil wants to play with your mind. And your mind is a battlefield. How many of you know that? Your mind is a battlefield. And the only thing that's important is whether or not you are ready for the battle. Now, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to show a little video here because the Word of God says that the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy he is as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. <clears throat> I, I had this thing inside me about uh, buffaloes, and I don't know why I was thinking about animals in the wild kingdom and how they love to separate uh, people from the herd, the animals from the herd. And I don't know why I was thinking about buffaloes, because I've seen antelope. How many of you have ever seen when the lion separates the antelope or separates the buffalo, and he wants to get them away from the herd because that's where the power is, and then he can pounce upon them and eat them and all that. And We used to watch that, and Pam would run out of the room as the lions were eating all the prey, and I thought it was awesome. But, uh, but, but anyway, but I was always praying for the one that, that was the guy that the lions were getting a hold of. Uh, so anyway, I, I was thinking about uh, this, and somebody put this little uh, poster uh, on my, uh, oh, I'm sorry, not the video yet. Thank you, though. Uh, do you have a poster back there? Yeah, let's go. Here it is. Uh, you, now, you probably can't read that, but this is a buffalo or bison, and uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Therefore, we are steadfast. We are immovable. We are always... Yeah, uh, you got... my. Let's start all over again. I am... 
Oh, glory to God. And that's that because we know our labor is not in vain in the Lord. So we are strong. And there are a lot of people today that they don't bring their children to church because their children don't want to go. Duh. What child wants to get up in the morning and come to, I didn't even want to get up this morning. I heard, thunder, I heard thunderstorms were coming in at 4 a.m. Then they moved it to 7, then they moved it to 8. But at 4 a.m. and a thunderstorm through 9, oh, I thought, Pam, I may be late, glory to God. There's nothing like laying in bed in a thunderstorm. But you, you have to make a choice. You know, and it's like, well, I don't want to do that. You don't have a choice. I'm telling you your choice. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to command you, and you're going to do exactly what I say, because it's good for you. I've heard people say, well, I'll let them make a choice when they get older. No, when they get older, they'll be going the way of the world. And we've got to make sure that we know how to help train people make right choices and make choices for them when they're not going to make the right choices. And, but in the meantime, we've got to make sure that we're going to make the right choice. And uh, sometimes, if you don't understand fear, then this video that she's going to show in just a second. If, if you don't understand fear, uh, then you'll try to avoid fear. You'll try to run away from fear. And if you do that, then the power has been given to the roaring lion. The power has been given to the devil who walks about as a roaring lion. We are called to attack the devil when he tries to come against us. We can't stop the devil's presence from being and powers and principalities from being on this earth. God is finally going to do that. But we can take away their power. The devil has no power over you if you're making the right choices. As a matter of fact, the devil's afraid of you. And it says in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 7, submit to God, meaning your choices, submit to God, Resist the devil, and he will flee. That doesn't mean you flee. That means the devil's going to flee. Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. How many of you have ever felt like you've been in the wilderness? Can I see your hand out there in a desolate place? Well, you may have been left there, uh, led out there by God. And he may have led you out there to see if you'll make the right choices. You may have led yourself out there. But you still need to learn whether you're in the wilderness by your uh, leading or by the leading of the Holy Spirit. But you need to learn to make the right choices because God, Michael, let me ask you this. In the military, if you, you are a lieutenant right now, okay, and you're going to automatically become a captain or do you have some things you have to do? You have some things you have to do. Well, what if you showed up and said, look, I'm ready to be a captain. And so well, here's the things we're going to do. So, I, I don't really want to do those. What are the odds of you becoming a captain? Zero. Zero. That's a military man. He didn't hum around. He just said it, zero. What are your odds of being promoted with God if you say, you know, God, that's a great idea you got for me, but I don't really prefer to do that. What are your odds of being promoted? You can say it louder than that. Zero. And we've got to understand that, that it's in the small testing where God watches us to see what? If he loves us? No. God loves you no matter what you do, whether or not he can trust us. How many of you raise more than one child? Okay. How many of you love them all equally? How many of you did not trust all of them equally? <laughs> How many of you can relate to the old Russian proverb, trust but verify? <laughs> well, I trust what you say, son, but I'm going to look in your drawer anyway. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've got to understand that. So this video that we're going to watch, because I, I believe fear is, is, is one of the biggest challenges that most people have in making the right choice. You say, well, what are my choices, God? There's, there are always choices. But my choices are this. Oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I can talk in front of people. I don't know if I can do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. All of those are rooted in fear. See, you can do anything God tells you to do. You may not do it well. A lot of people are, fe are fearful of failing. There's nothing wrong with failing. There's nothing wrong with disappointing somebody. We live in a world where I've got, I'm not, I can't get off on this tangent, don't have time. I am so frustrated with people. 
ministering to snowflakes. Glory to God. Well, we, don't, we don't want to disappoint anybody. We don't want anybody disappointed. When don't keep scoring ball games. Somebody may be disappointed because they lose. Oh, God, give me a break. There's nothing, everybody said, there's nothing wrong with disappointment. It is through disappointments our character gets built. Whoa, I missed it here. I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to go in a corner and cry. I'm not going to hide. I'm going to learn. I know I've said this a million times in this church, but if we learn from all of our mistakes, most of us should be brilliant. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. We've all made mistakes. This is a, a little a, example of some bison, and the lions are hungry. And the lions, uh, like the enemy, like the devil, they're, they're going around seeing who they can destroy. If you run from them, you lose your power. But if you stay, so be at ease. This little calf doesn't get eaten, even though it looks like it's going to get eaten. This is what happens to a lot of people in and out of the body of Christ. Go ahead and show it. There goes all the brave people. They're running away. They can take that lion in a second. They all ran away. But there's the mom. Moms don't mess around. That lion is thinking, hey, that mom's all by herself. That cat. Not sure what it's doing. Trying, but she needs some help. A lot of people in the body of Christ need you to open your mouth and not be fearful of the choice you need to tell them. There goes the baby. Lion got it. One person standing. Not quite enough yet. Here comes the copper. And there go the lions. <laughs> you can, let's give the Lord a hand. You can cut it off. Now, that may, that, that may seem like a, a, a dumb thing for you, but, but it, it's really, when I saw that, it reminded me of a lot of people. It's like, oh, we can't do that. And they all take off running. You got somebody standing there, and they, they want to do it. But now I'm all alone. Even if you're all alone, fight the good fight. You got more power over the devil. That devil walks about as a roaring lion. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, and I'll just summarize it real quickly. Mary and Martha uh, both loved Jesus. Uh, Mary and Martha, good, good God-fearing people. Jesus came to their house, and Mary and Martha sat down at the feet of Jesus. All they wanted to do was hear what God has to say. When you get up in the morning, sometimes the first thing you do, I'm not saying you particularly, but people turn on the television set. Uh, they go to their internet. They go to their t cell phones. What kind of messages do I have? All of this type of thing. Most important thing for you in the morning should be, God, how are you doing? What do you have for me today? What is my assignment today? In the military, you get standing orders, and you get orders fresh every day, usually. As this is the orders for the day. You need to consult God. God, what kind of day are you going to You have laid out for me today? I am ready. You look in the mirror, and you see the power of God in your eyes, in yourself. Your mind is not thinking all sorts of thoughts. Mary and Martha sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha just... She, all she could think about was, my goodness, who's serving all the people? This is a great word. You got Jesus, but I'll tell you what, there are people that are hungry uh, and out there, and the dishes haven't been done, and there's all sorts of house to work to be done, and, and I got to get up and do it. And so she just left and disconnected from the will of God for her life, disconnected. Mary didn't move. Martha finally got ticked off at her. I can guarantee you this. If you give your life to the Lord, and you decide, I'm making this choice, this is what God said, and come hell or high water, I don't care what anybody else thinks. When you think about what somebody else thinks, you don't realize it, it's a root of fear. You have a root of fear in you. And you think it's because I want to please the other person so they won't be upset. To heck with the other person. It is not a question of the other person. It is a question of what is the Holy Spirit showing you to say and implement, and are you going to make the right choice to do it or not? There are a lot of people today who needed a choice being made by a parent or by somebody in authority that would have saved their life and helped their life, and instead, I didn't want to upset them. 
we are living in a world today that is going the wrong direction, totally. And what we've got to do is understand what is the good thing. And Jesus, when Martha came back to complain, how many of you realize there's always somebody that complains? Oh, glory to God, you don't do this and I'm done that. Oh, man, I mean, the minute somebody starts complaining, think they need to go to the desert. God, send them to the <laughs> desert. Send them to the wilderness and bring them back when they get their act together. And, uh, <clears throat> but, but anyway, she just complained to Jesus and said, Mary has chosen the right thing. She has made he, he said, she's made the right choice. You've made the wrong choice. You are distracted, you are worried, and you are troubled about many things. She had, I believe, a habit. How many of you realize there are people like that out there? They're just, oh, they're always distracted about all sorts of things. They're always worried. They're always troubled about everything. They've got to fix everything. And they miss the good part, and they get stressed out. People who are stressed out have made the wrong choice. When you're happy, you made the right choice. When you're sad, you made the wrong choice. You got the choice to make. I can be encouraged or I can be discouraged. Everybody say, it's my choice. Hey, you don't understand what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You can go through it happy or you can go through it sad. You can go through it encouraged or you can go through it discouraged. You can go through it distressed or you can go through it with attraction toward what it is and all of the things that God's going to do for you or you can allow distraction. It's all a choice. Everybody say, it's all a choice. Now, in first, uh, uh, James chapter 3, verse 16, we'll close with this scripture because it's such a powerful scripture. If you read all of James chapter 3, it's talking about seeking wisdom from God, being plugged into the will of God, and, and God will never not tell you what his will is. God wants you to know what his will is. In John chapter 6, I think it's verse 38. I'm not positive about that. Jesus said, I didn't come to do my will, but I came to do the will of the Father who sent me. Well, Jesus constantly consulted the Father to do what God told him to do, and you and I are to be imitators of him imitating God as dear little children. But James 3.16 goes on to say, you're going to make a decision whether or not it's going to be self-seeking or whether it's going to be God-seeking. Whether you're going to seek the things of God or the things of self. Seeking the things of self become a very slippery choice. The choice of God's will or the choice of self-seeking. And this is where many people in the body of Christ, not out there in the world, in the body of Christ, err and open the door to the devil in their homes, in their minds, and in their finances. James 3.16 says this, where there is self-seeking, there will be confusion and every evil work. Confusion and every evil work. Now think about that just a moment. When I enter into self-seeking, I am opening the door in my life and my mind to confusion and every evil work. Every evil work. Think about that. It's like, oh, the devil can bring anything in he wants. This is not a message about giving, but uh, tithing talks about rebuking the devil off your finances and off your family. It talks about rebuking the devil. People that tithe have made a right choice. People that don't tithe have made a wrong choice. God loves both. Everybody say, God loves both. God loved Mary, God loved Martha. But the people that tithe have made the right choice. The people that don't tithe have made the wrong choice to contradict God. It isn't that God needs your money. He wants to bless you and open the windows of heaven so there'll be a blessing they will not have room enough to contain. People who are unhappy have made the wrong choice because you can be happy anytime you want. People that don't laugh and smile have made the wrong choice because they're focused on the distraction of the thing that is facing them versus the attraction of what God has given us. So when we make the decision, I'm going to open my heart and my will is going to be the will of the Father. When you, uh, <clears throat> I don't have my cell phone, I was going to bring it up here, but that's all right. We'll close with this. Uh, I'm telling you secrets now. But, but when the cell phone rings... I look to see if it's somebody I want to talk to. 
Now, Thelma, this doesn't apply to you, but uh, Thelma's doing some work for me, so she calls me a lot, and sometimes I don't answer the phone. But, but, I, I, but, I, but, but I'm, I, I'm not able to at the time. I hope she buys this. Okay. Because <laughs> I didn't think about it before I started this silly example. <laughs> but sometimes I, I don't answer it because I'm busy doing something else, but I'll call back. Sometimes I look at it and I think, uh-uh, 888 prefix, 800 prefix, that's a marketer. They're not getting a call back. Sometimes if somebody doesn't leave me a voicemail, I don't call back. If it wasn't important enough to leave a voicemail, why am I calling back? Now, no difference, but when it's the right one, hello beautiful. <laughs> now the devil is calling you all the time. What about this? 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 All you need to know is God. What's your will for me today? What do you want me to do today? What is our assignment today? Glory to God, I am ready to go. And whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. No fear in my life whatsoever. What choice do you want me to make? You want me to tell this person this? No problem. I said I was going to close with this, and I've closed three or four different times. This one is the last one. I had a girl named Reed out in Tulsa. Rita was the worst Bible school student we ever had. Ever, ever had. I didn't like Rita. I could just care less about Rita. She was terrible, and everybody had the same opinion of Rita. And one day, I was just praying. to God, what do you have for me today? What are we going to do? Now, if you, if you go to God with a constant agenda and you don't hear, you're trying to give God instructions on telling you what to do in situations to me, the most important thing is not telling God what I want him to do. To me, the most important thing is, God, tell me what you want me to do. I'm on an assignment for you. Your major captain, I mean, your majors and your lieutenant colonels and your colonels and your generals are probably not going to come down and consult you and ask what you want them to do. They're probably going to give you orders. God gives us orders. And I said, God, you know, I was just praying about something else. And then all of a sudden, I thought about Reba. And I said, how about Reba? I said, I want you to meet with Reba, and I want you to uh, uh, call her in and sit her down in your office and talk to her. Oh, I could do that. Bonnie Beetle set up the appointment out there and called Reba in. I forgot about it. It was three or four days later. Reba comes in. And Bonnie says, Reba's in your office. I said, God, I don't know what to do. All I heard you say was to, to call her in. Now, see, sometimes we want the whole picture. God just tells you to step. Take this step. And I called her in, and she, this shit, and I said, God, I don't know what to do. You told me to do it. And he says, go in there and sit down next to her and look at her and say, Reba, I don't like you. Could you tell me why? I said, God, is that really you? Is that really you? I heard it again. This is what I've heard, what I have found out with God. If I'm not sure and I ask him, he'll tell me again. Once I've got it downloaded and I know, it doesn't matter how many times I ask him, he's not speaking. It's like, you know the orders. Suck it up and do it. I've never heard him say that. <laughs> okay. So, so I, wa I walked in and sat down next to Reba, and she's sitting there and said, Reba, I don't like you. Could you tell me why? And she just looked at me, and tears filled her eyes. She said, you don't understand me. And she began to pour out her heart to me. And I began to cry. Uh, it was an, an unbelievable testimony as to how she became, how she was. Last I heard, she went to Israel after she graduated. My relationship with Reba totally changed. But the person who totally changed was me. Because the things Reba did before I met with her, she kept doing them after I met with her. <laughs> Reba never changed. But you know who changed? I did. I did. Because the devil had used Reba in my life to be less than Christ-like. But I changed because God showed me. And the choice that I made helped change my life. Let's all stand. Some of you have some decisions to make. But really, what you have are choices to decide what is the will of God in your life for this situation. If you will become disciplined to seek God in everything, your whole life will change. 
in your finances, in your direction, vacations, buying things, doing things, everything. It'll change your whole life if you just talk to God and say, God, what is your will? God will never withhold from you what he wants you to know because he loves you. Would you bow your heads with me? All over this church, the most important question I believe you'll ever answer, do you know if you died today, you'd be with Jesus? If you're here and you'd say, well, I don't know. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're like a prodigal child. You know you've drifted away from him. He wants you to come home. And if I've described you, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air because we're going to pray for you. Don't ever spend a moment without knowing that you're going to heaven. Take just a moment. Lord, you know everybody that's here. Yes, uh, all the way back there in the back, I see your hand. Are there others? You say, my life is not right. I know it's not right. Yes, I see your hand. See, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you now if your life isn't right. Anyone else? Those of you that raised your hands, uh, come on down here to the altar. Connie, right next to you, right over here. Come on down. And all the way back here in the back. Yeah. Yeah, give him a hand. And, uh, okay. That's all right. If she doesn't, if she doesn't want to come, that's okay. Yeah, give, give him a hand. Got another one coming here. We're so glad you're here. Honey, come on up here with me. Beautiful. Come on up here with me. Stretch your hands out toward these that this altar. This is the day of new beginning. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. The devil is trying to get you to focus on the things that haven't gone right, things that have been done to you, maybe things that you have done that haven't been the right choice. But God loves you and God's plan for you has never changed. So we're all going to pray and I want you to pray this prayer too. So stretch your hands out toward this. This is a life-changing moment at this altar. Let's say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God, and I believe you died for my sins. I've sinned, and I've made mistakes. But today, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you, to be all that you've called me to be. Father, I thank you for these two ladies that this is truly a day of new beginnings. And I thank you for giving them direction, healing their hearts, healing their emotions, and beginning to fill them with your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. I think I could probably give an altar call and say everybody that is making bad choices come down here and will never make bad choices again. You are always making choices. Today you'll make a lot of choices. You go to a restaurant maybe and eat, you'll make a choice. What restaurant am I going to? I believe God is into everything. I had a choice to make in Lima, Peru one day. I shared this last couple Sundays ago. Uh, to stay and sleep in a hotel or go with uh, John and Terry Henshaw out, and uh, oh, it was when Pam was preaching. She called me up here, and uh, and I didn't want to go, and and I just felt in my spirit, I'm supposed to go, I'm supposed to go, and it ended up being on a street corner in Lima, Peru, eight to ten million people. A lady that had been to our church who needed prayer saw me, and just went wacko, and so did I, because of that moment. God was saying to me, I didn't know the words, I didn't know the end story, but he said, I want you to go shopping. I thought, that's silly. I don't want to go shopping. <laughs> if you'll be that sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it's not about you. Everybody say, it's not about me. I believe that woman's life was changed. Not only that, my life was changed. My life was changed by getting out of that bed, not taking a nap, and I love naps. <laughs> and being on assignment from God. Your life will change if you live this message. 
How many of you need your life to change and making choices? That's you. Just lift your hand. Father, you see all the hands that are lifted. We are bombarded with opportunities for choice. Help us, Lord, to take the time and disengage in a racing mind. Slow it down and say, God, not my will, but your will be done. I'm on an assignment from you. And therefore, I have presented my life, my body, my emotions as a living sacrifice to you that is totally acceptable to you. And that my mind will never go the way of the world, but my mind will be transformed to know your perfect will in every choice that I make. I believe it's possible for every person, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Now, while your hands are still up, just make this confession. Lord, forgive me for times when I didn't make the right choices. I repent. I ask your forgiveness. But from this day forward, help me to continually consult you for every choice so that it becomes a habit a good habit and that I'll not be moved by other people but I'll be moved by your spirit because I believe with all of my heart I am on this earth for a time such as this and I am on an assignment for you you believe that okay let's go out with this confession because it is so important Let's say, I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing my labor is not in vain in the Lord.